0: We continue our Provoke the Pastor series. At least once a year, questions are submitted to Pastor Harris for biblical answers. This week, after he covers a question regarding Bible disposal, the main body of this message addresses the doctrine of creation. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he presents today's slice of this week's message entitled Science and Christians. There's another crucial point that comes from the the whole issue of creationism. Um, If you've been reading with us in our daily emails, we're working our way through the Ten Commandments. We've already been past the fourth commandment. But do you remember this, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11? Remember the Sabbath day. Well, why would you want to remember it? I mean, you already know something about it because they'd already heard about six, (coughs) six days of creation and then the seventh. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, to set it apart from the other days. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of Yahweh your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female slave, or your cattle or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That's nonsense. Unless the earth was created in six days. So the Ten Commandments aren't reliable. The doctrine of sin is not reliable. The doctrine of man is not reliable. Everything crumbles if it isn't as the Scripture says that it is. Why you might even say the answers are in Genesis. We'll get to that. Next part of the question. As God asked Job, where were you at creation? That's directly from Job 38 verse 4 when Job was starting to come around and get it right. Uh, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? No one has observed creation. The only way we know what happened is by somebody who was there. There who was that? It was God. He did it, and He told us about it. Later in that chapter, God refers to placing the constellations in the sky. Back up a day or three from the sixth day when He created Adam and Eve. In other words, no man observed God's work in the six days of creation. And then the questioner says, this seems like a needless fight. Well, I would say it's needless to be combative about it, but it's loving to speak the truth indeed. De- in and if you have someone who believes that there was death before sin, you've got a huge problem with the entire New Testament, which is based upon the Old Testament, by the way. So, if Adam and Eve were not created on the sixth day as recorded in Genesis 2, then Jesus told lies, the apostle Paul told lies, and that is a huge deal. So we don't want to fight. We don't want to pick fights, but we need to do what the book of Jude says. We need to earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So when, when someone comes to you with a declaration contrary to the truth, well, you have an opportunity to speak truth in love. Now, the rest of the question also raises excellent things to consider. There are lots of things I would like to know, but I don't need to know, such as how many children did Eve give birth to before the fall? Her pain at birthing was multiplied after eating the forbidden fruit, so she must have given birth prior to the fall because zero times anything is zero. Well, yeah, there are a lot of things that we would like to know, but we don't need to. Everything you need to know is in the Scriptures. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And we have to be satisfied with the fact that there are things we might like to know, but if God hasn't made them known, we don't need to know them. Now, Eve may have born children before the fall, but that's not in the text of of the Bible, and it's not required by the text. I think... I think the questioner is camping on the word multiplied, like you got to have something to start with, so therefore she knew the pain of childbirth, and now it was going to be a whole lot worse. Like Adam knew that he had to till the garden, he had work to do, he had things to do, but now that the fall came, there was the curse, and he was going to have to fight against thistles, and, 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 and there would be all sorts of other things with that. But the answer is The Bible doesn't say, and there's nothing to be gained by speculating about that. And then the questioner speculates about that. If Eve had children, if she gave birth before the fall, the next part of the question is, could these, that is children born to Adam and Eve before Genesis chapter 3. Could these be the sons of God referred to in Genesis chapter 6? Now, the answer to that question is real easy. No. You can go to our website. You can stop by our literature rack by the front door and get our article, The Strangest Sin of All Time, if you'd like to see something about uh, the answer uh, to that. But no, that's not the sons of God in Genesis chapter 6. There are good answers to that question. We'll get to them. Let me give you a teaser. I hope you will enjoy a short series that Scott Basolo and I are planning to do this fall. When? Later this fall. I don't remember exactly the date. We're going to deal in depth with the next to last book of the Bible, the book of Jude. That is one of the hardest books in the Bible in that there are the most uh, tangential uh, references to a whole bunch of things. We're going to take that apart for you. one of my portions of that series, I'll deal with a highly abbreviated summary of part of my master's thesis. It has the catchy title, The Identity and the Sin of the Angels in Jude 6 and 7, which will take us to the explanation of who are the sons of God. So so what do we decide, Scott? 37 messages? Is that what we're going to do in... 36. Yeah. actually, yeah, Actually, we've targeted... Seven. I should never have said that in public because now you're going to hold us to that. But we have a pretty good outline. We're going to do it in seven. We should make it six and then rest on the seventh. (laughs) I I don't know. Now, the questioner didn't bring this up, but in general, beware of any teaching that claims that the first chapters of Genesis are not historical. Uh, They are said to be either myth or poetry. They're not poetry. None of the elements of poetry are there. They're not myth. Those claims are fabrications because those first two chapters so diametrically torpedo the presumptions and assumptions of uniformitarianism and anti-supernaturalism. We got to get rid of them. So well, that's what somebody made up to explain this stuff because they were too stupid to understand what we uh, now understand in all of our wisdom. Um, the flood was real. It was universal. The Tower of Babel was real. And I want to ask a person, there are people who say, I, I'm a Christian, but I believe in the Big Bang or evolution or billions of years. I, I, I've never actually done this, actually taken had anybody take me up on this. But I want to say, okay, so you believe the Bible is true, right? Yeah, I do. It's the Word of God. All right. We know chapter 1, by your definition, isn't true. Nor is chapter 2. Chapter 3 kind of, sort of, maybe a little bit symbolically. At what point does the Bible start to be true? Or is it just all made up through the first 11 chapters, and then you get to Abraham, and bang! From there on, it's absolutely perfect history. The Bible doesn't work like that. It is historical. We are all descended from Adam. Our family trees chase them all the way back to Adam. We're all going to meet at a bottleneck in the generation of Noah and his family. The earth is roughly 6,000 years old. There is no such thing as multiple races among humans. All that stuff is made up. A few more comments. As we talk about this, remember, we're not picking fights. We're not here to do battle. You you could say earnestly contend, but in love, speaking truth in love, asking those questions. Um, How do you know it's true? Has it ever been observed? Are you making any assumptions? Those can be real door openers. They can also get doors slammed in your face, but be careful that you take this where Peter took it in 2 Peter 3. You get down to verse 13. But according to His promise that He is coming, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Somebody brings up the beginning, take him to the end too. Uh, matter of fact, you might even title it Paradise Lost and Paradise Regained. And the story in the middle is how we get there. Everything in all those discussions and speculations and, and, and arguments needs always to keep the focus on the gospel and the consummation of all things in Jesus Christ. Oh, and by the way, Peter understood that too. I don't want him to get short shrift here. Verses 7 through 9. But by His word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord... One day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, the evolutionist might say, ah, it says right there, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day, so I can stick a billion years into the first two chapters of the Bible if I want to. No, you can't. That's saying God transcends time. He created it. When? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created time, force, action, space, and matter. We got it summarized in one verse. But why is all this playing out? So people have time to get saved. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.